Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and do you want to see something really spooky? Ooh, spooky, very spooky. Well, you know what's coming to Richmond, Virginia? Nightmare Weekend. And you know what else is coming to Richmond, Virginia? It's me and Ashley Edward Miller. Yes, the legendary Ashley Edward Miller that you know and love from Inglorious Treksperts in the 4-3 movie, along with me as we descend with a bunch of happy haunts on Nightmare Weekend, October 13th through the 15th, October 13th through the 15th in Richmond, Virginia. And we're not coming alone because there's also going to be such great horror icons as Danny Trejo, Tony Todd, and if you don't think we're going to ask him about The Visitor, you're crazy, Richard Dreyfus, Jeffrey Combs. You know, he did these horror movies, too. It wasn't just Star Trek. <laughs> we have a very animated or reanimated conversation with him. The stars of American Werewolf in London, David Naughton and Griffin Dunn. Boy, and if Jenny Agutter were there, I think we would probably pay to go ourselves. Um, Cheeto Brothers, Ken Foray, the stars of Fright Night, William Ragsdale and Chris Sarandon, Andrew Devoff. Now, I gotta tell you, I've been rewatching Lost. He's really good in that. There's gonna be an E.T. reunion with Henry Thomas, D. Wallace, Robert McNaughton, C. Thomas Howe, and more. And so many other guests, including Laura Birch, Vanessa Shaw, who will probably not be talking about working with Kubrick, although I'd like to talk to her about that. Tim Reed from WKRP in Cincinnati. No less Nesman, though. Samantha Mathis and many, many more. So come join Ashley Edward Miller, myself, and a bunch of great horror stars in Richmond, Virginia at Nightmare Weekend. We hope to see you there. Find out more at galaxycon.com. That's galaxycon.com. And we'll see you at Nightmare Weekend, October 13th through the 15th. And if you say it, you have to say it like this. Nightmare Weekend. Anyway, happy Halloween. <laughs> Okay, bye. Mark A. Altman, Darren Doctorman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became... Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Welcome to the sixth season of Inglorious Trexperts. As we begin our new five-year mission, I'm co-host Mark A. Altman, and I'm here with... I'm also co-host Darren Doctorman. And I am also co-host Ashley Miller. And... 
with special appearances by Gene Roddenberry. Hello, gentle beings. Welcome to the show. Christopher Walken. I'm not going to hey do that without money. <laughs> there's no there's no way I'm going to do that without... You know, two little mice fell into a bucket of cream and they got paid more than I did for this. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Sean Connery. Uh, I don't uh, I don't condone hitting a woman. I understand it, but uh, I don't condone it. <laughs> Welcome oh, we're back. We're going to get letters about that. And yeah, that was the opinion of Sean Connery. Is that was Sean Connery. Connery. Yeah, the opinion of the, uh, of, of, of the hosts. These are, these are quotes. Drags these are actual quotes. These are actual quotes from the legendary James Bond actor, Sean Shockery Connery. We are another year older. And we are a birthday, guys. <laughs> and have we got a season premiere for you. We got uh, Jonathan Franks with us today. Red alert. Go to red alert. Go to red alert. 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 Go to red alert. 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 Hit the red alert. Ah, the Franks. Jonathan is one of the Franks. <laughs> Jonathan is is one of the greats. We we recorded this a few days after his birthday, uh, you know. And I it was I had a whole thing for his birthday planned, but of course, as you'll hear on the podcast, uh, things don't always go according to plan. We had been told we'd be interviewing John at three thirty, but at about three ten, the panicked uh, uh, face of uh, a Galaxy Con-, Con employee showed up at our booth. It's like, where the hell are you guys? <laughs> right here. And we're like, what are you talking we're about? We're getting ready we to do our panel with Jonathan Franks. And we're like, uh, well, uh, the, the form we got says 3.30. They said, well, it's 3 o'clock. So we yeah. ran like the wind. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan had already started the panel without us. Um, and we joined him on stage for a wonderful conversation uh, about... Uh, Primarily his directing career, but we we covered the waterfront. We we talked a little bit about the strike. We talked a little bit. Of, we talked about a lot of things, and uh, you know it was just terrific because, of course, uh, we've all known him for a while. I mean, Darren, you worked with him on uh, 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 Thunderbirds, didn't you? Uh, no, Clockstoppers. Clockstoppers, of course. What was that experience like? It was fun. I mean, it was a it was a quickie, uh, and uh, you know we got to work on the. Uh, on the Paramount lot, and uh, uh, Jonathan was around. He was uh, very nice. It's the first time I'd met him, and of course, we had the great Gail Ann Hurd uh, producing. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great, and I just had so much fun working with him on the Librarians. He directed two of my episodes, um, and uh, I'd known him for years, but uh, um, it was the first time we worked together, and it was just an extraordinary experience. Uh, two of my favorite people in this business, uh, Dean Devlin and. Uh, and Jonathan on that uh, on that show, and sp- and I have to say, what a great time we had in Austin uh, at GalaxyCon this year. We'll be we'll be in Columbus in December. If you haven't seen us on our Inglorious Live tour, but um, what a what an amazing convention this was, wasn't it, Darren? Absolutely. Well, look, all of the all of the GalaxyCons that we've been to over the past year have been great. 
the uh, you know one experience uh, uh, after another of uh, great weekends and uh, uh, meeting new friends, uh, uh, bonding with old friends, and it's uh, it's such a great experience. Uh, Mike Broder and the gang uh, at uh, GalaxyCon really know how to run a show uh, because they're fans. They know this stuff. They love this stuff. And uh, that's part of the magic that helps uh, make things go so well. And uh, it, it's that makes really, things go. Yeah, they make things go. Very good girl. <laughs> Mike Broder is smart. He makes things go. He does. I, I have to say, I was amazed how many people came up to us and said, I had no idea about this convention until I heard it on the podcast. And that's why wow. I came. And uh, that they... Uh, that they loved it and they had a great time. Because I would have felt terrible if they didn't, if they'd come because of us. Well, of course. So th well, that was... Every single GalaxyCon, to me, so far, I've walked out of it feeling like, wow, that's the best convention experience that I've ever had. Every single time. Um, yeah. And, you know, they've all been different in their own way, but the thing that has been consistent is, uh, is just how um, organized... It is like even amid like the expected chaos of conducting an operation that is as complicated as a con, um, just the way that the staff handles everything and it makes everybody feel comfortable, makes everything feel fun. Um, it's just, it's, it's an awesome, awesome time. For and everyone. I got to well, tell I have, you, I, I, I just want to mention one thing that, um, because of our, you know, of our podcast, uh, uh, they uh, they got to know us uh, from listening to the podcast, and they they wanted to see what it would be like if they'd had us as guests. And it it is such a great experience being in the middle of Star Trek Row with everyone uh, as they are you know doing uh, their uh, talking to fans and uh, doing autographs and pictures and so forth. It's so much fun to be in amongst them, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. we've, we've gotten to know several of them very well and uh, hang out with them a little bit. And it's so much fun to be part of that magic. And it well, absolutely that, that, is magic. That that actually leads in very nicely to, um, well, into our restaurants and reviews, let's say. Because one of the great dinners we had during uh, this week was uh, at Dean's Italian Kitchen, where we were joined by uh, most of the bridge crew of the Enterprise. It was yeah. uh, Jonathan Frakes and... Uh, Gates McFadden and Brent Spiner. And, um, uh, of course, we were joined by our friend, oh, I can't say on the podcast, Sarah Nakatomi. What's her name again? Sarah Nottachenny. Sarah Nottachen. Nottachenny. Uh, no, Sarah, Nottachenny. we're sorry. It's Mark can't even say pot whistle. Well, I, so, I just, I don't know. I, I've said Sarah Nakatomi so many times and she's, now I'm, you can't she's a, she's a voiceover artist who has been the voice of uh, Ash Ketchum from Pokemon for a long time. And she is a delight. And, uh, and, uh, she, uh, met Mark, uh, thinking he was an absolute bastard. And, and you know she what? wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She, she had him pegged from the first moment. Um, but I, I got to tell course, you, this is and a of very... course, our 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 dear friend uh, Terry Farrell was at there. Yeah. Well, and I was yeah, I'm going to get to that, of course. And and Mike Broder from GalaxyCon uh, uh, was you know was the Truman Capote of the whole thing. I think it was you who said uh, that this is uh, it was like a murder mystery. It felt like right. Clue. Well, this dinner could end this way, <laughs> and uh, the steak steak was terrific. The the billionaire's potato was excellent. And um, that's what it's called, billionaire's potato. It was basically a baked potato, but they called yeah. it a billionaire's potato. It was quite good. And um, 
the conversation uh, and everything was it was just wonderful. What a great group of people, and uh, it was such a nice evening. Um, other than the fact that instead of taking Uber, we'd been told it was really close, so we walked. And I, I think that it was like by the time we got there, we were like drenched because uh, it was so hot out. Well, I, I don't think it was that bad, but it certainly sounds. My God, bad. every time. Yeah, it's a great yeah. story. <laughs> no sense of drama. Have then you no sense of drama, sir? We have plenty of drama. We have plenty the of drama. Sandstorm blew in. That's right. But but I have to say, <laughs> as good as the steak was on Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, we went to Perry's at the recommendation of Mr. Ashley Miller. Yes. And, you know, Ashley, you just don't know because, you know, Cloak be Wednesday is his favorite movie, right? You just <laughs> think of all his picks for Wednesday. Like, is it going to be some crazy town or is it going to be something really great? Well, in this case, it was something really great. And again, we were joined by our, our, our one of our favorite people in the world, Terry Farrell and, and Armin Shimron finally got to go to dinner with us. I know yeah. he was very happy. Um, and it was a spectacular. Uh, I mean, you didn't have the steak. I had uh, the the filet mignon, which was the chef's kiss. It was, as they say, yes. Uh, it was just spectacular. As were all the side dishes. But you know, one of the things that surprised me. I'm not a big dessert person. I know this comes as a surprise. I'm not a big dessert person. You know, I, I do like a good dessert, but I you're had, mainly an appetizer person. I'm mainly an appetizer. That's a good point. I'm more of an appetizer person. It's, it's family person. style, except it's and, appetizers. <laughs> and so we split. We, Darren and I split. It was a special that day. We're going to do a special on you, Flavius. Right. We, it was a, a, a pumpkin cheesecake. That it was, was uh, delightful. One of the great taste sensations I've experienced in my life. It's so good. So I, what was in that besides the pumpkin, obviously? Pumpkin and the cheese, and but there were like uh, hints of chocolate in there. Uh, there, there was uh, allspice and nutmeg, and uh, you know the, the what they call pumpkin spice, which is a mixture of uh, certain things uh, every fall. Uh, and it was d just d glorious. It was uh, not heavy. It was a light uh, cheesecake, and it was uh, just very tasty. It was really oh. tasty. And then uh, Ashley, you had been craving your entree for 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 weeks. Uh, you had told us this is why you wanted to go there. What did you yeah. order? I had, so on Sundays, they have a special. They, they serve the, the meat every day, but they have a, a three-course special on Sundays. It's 50 bucks. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a pork chop. And you think, oh, well, Ashley, you'd spend 50 bucks on a pork chop. No. <laughs> no. It's so much they, more than a pork chop. It's so much more than a pork chop. It was an entire bring out Exactly. It's Wilbur. They, they, they bring Don't him out. Don't say that. You just Sorry. ruined my whole dinner now. <laughs> Don't say it's Wilbur. Let's we, just say it was some pig. Some it was. They brought me some pig. Uh, it's the chop. It's the lash. It's the it's the ribs. They bring it out by the table. They carve it. They carve off the ribs. They carve the the chop. They carve the lash off the chop. It was so this, much. God. It was so much that I could only eat half of it, and I had to save the rest of it for my breakfast the next morning, which was fine with me. Because it was a lovely breakfast the next morning. Well, dinner um, was an eighth of a pig. Yeah, it really, truly was. It was, it was, it was quite something. I, and when we, it came out to the table, you guys were all looking at me like, my 
God, look at the size of it. And it was like, that smells delicious. Because the chatter read it too. was delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's going in. He's going in full throttle. That's right. <laughs> it, it certainly looked. That'll um, keep the waiter off our back. That's right. It, it, we it had certainly, a great waiter it certainly too. looked what was gigantic. It was. I don't, it was uh, Casey? Casey? Casey. 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 Yeah, Casey he was, was very bad. Funny. He was great. Yeah. yeah, he was a great. He was great. We 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 gave him a really nice tip too because he was just he was so um, friendly and accommodating, and attentive, and, uh, he, and uh, yeah, yeah, attentive and just just really really a sweet man. It was and he yes. he was a great. He was great, you know. Um, and he was right about I got the uh, the blue cheese, the black and blue. Uh, was it the black and gorgonzola? I'm not. Sure. I think the black and gorgonzola might stick. And I asked him, do I need it? Because you know, normally I don't like to ruin a, a good steak with like too much. He said, "No, it's really good. You won't regret it." And he was right. Oh, good. He was right. He was right. <laughs> he was right about me. Tell, tell your sister he was right. <laughs> he was right. But um, so so good and such great company. I oh was God. so thrilled. I just I had nothing to do with this, but I prompted Ashley to tell Armin his Thor story of working with Kenneth Branagh because I knew Armin as the great Shakespeare teacher would appreciate it. And um, he was just riveted by it. And it was a wonderful to see him. Uh, um, and he had a lot of questions for you about it too, which I yeah. was, was great. Yeah. We wound up in a, you know, kind of a random ass uh, conversation about Shakespeare and Renaissance lit and all that stuff. So it was a lot of fun. It was like, I haven't, I don't often get to have those conversations with people. Certainly. Um, not with somebody who has kind of devoted himself to the subject in the way that that Armin has devoted himself. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was delightful. And of yeah, course, I, I was I was delighted to talk with the uh, with the lovely ladies at the table because I always yeah. enjoy that. And uh, Terry was luminous. And and, they were delighted uh, and to so talk to you. Sarah. So was Sarah and yeah. uh, and uh, your friend Mark, who was my uh, friend Monica. Was, yeah, Monica. Yeah. Um, it was yeah. it was a great it was a great night. You know. They, we're just having, you know, one great night after another at these uh, events. and I, It I really was great because we were so tired because we'd been up so late the night before. Yeah. And, you know, it was the last night of the convention. And we'd done a lot. This is the most panels we'd done at yeah. any shows because Ashley and I had also done a writer's seminar, which was yeah. like three hours with, where we were joined for a, by Terry Metalis. It was similar to what we do at San Diego, but much longer. And we were just exhausted, but... Um, well, for you guys, it was eight it, eight panels over the weekend. Yeah, Seven, I yeah. know. Yeah, amazing. And, and what was interesting too was um, normally I don't like to go to chain restaurants when we're traveling. I like to sample the local color. I didn't realize when we booked Perry's that it was a chain. Now I'm delighted because apparently they have uh, them in Raleigh and and in Dallas and a bunch of other places. Wow. I'm just like I'm thinking of going to Heritage Auctions just so I can go to Perry's for dinner. <laughs> See. Um, it's close to my house. Uh, yeah, and actually, I think that that particular Perry's was the original Perry's. Ah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. But I can't recommend it enough. But, I mean, we don't go to, like, and I'm not knocking. Like, I love Morton's. I love Ruth Chris and Del Frisco's. But I don't want to go to chains when we're traveling. I want to go right. to the local local place. But Perry's is a mini chain. There's not a ton of them. Right. But Indeed. it is a chain. But in this case, I'm glad we made the exception because it was pretty pretty spectacular. Um and of course, it was delightful to see our our, our good friend and um, uh, who is joining us on the um, former uh, guest who's joining us on 
uh, uh, to boldly go as we go to Star Trek locations, which has been fully funded or funded on Kickstarter, thanks to um, our uh, uh, the largesse of, of our guests, all of you. We we deeply appreciate. It. But Hazel Honeysuckle did uh, her performance as Tree Beard, which was quite impressive, I must say. Absolutely, uh, yeah. uh, two stories tall and uh, oh. amazing. And I couldn't. Uh, also, I was like worried she'd fall off the stage or something. But well, then I realized you know, no, that's me. It's worth pointing out, and you know, I talked to her about this uh, on on Sunday night. That you know that particular act on that particular stage is a very dangerous thing mm. because if you think about it, because we've all seen her in Absinthe, and she does like some pretty dangerous stuff in, in Absinthe. And what right. you have to remember about a show like that is that crew knows what to expect. Right. They've gone through rehearsals. They've done and it again and again. That stage is built again. for that kind of stuff. Exactly. They control that environment. They have mm -hmm. all kinds of safety protocols. Right. And on that stage at the convention, there's none of that. It's not a crew that she knows and has worked with all the time. They don't know the act intimately. Like they don't have like all of those things that she could rely on. So yeah. when you know, she does stuff like that, she could really get hurt. Um, That's a good point. So it's, you know, props to her for yeah. having the courage. If you have the courage. If you have the courage. <laughs> That was uh, yeah. So that that was that was great, and it was funny too because Darren and I very rarely travel together, but the stars aligned on this trip, and we're traveling together. And the other person on our flight was, oh, it was Jonathan Frakes, wasn't it? Yeah, and then they weren't going to let him on, which was oh my god, hysterical. We're like, you're holding up the whole flight, Frakes. Yeah, what right. are you doing? <laughs> he did have a a very striking Hawaiian shirt on. Uh, so is that why they weren't going to let him on because of the shirt? Pretty much. Then no, he got it, me it, back. There was a booking problem, and uh, it was all sorted out fairly quickly. But uh, thank goodness. But uh, yeah, we, unfortunately, they all had to wait for me because I was the only person who checked luggage. Yeah, I got so oh much shit God. from Frakes. Let, let's talk about that after after we play the uh, interview because yeah. I think okay. that's uh, a fun a fun. Okay, thing. I think that's great. Well, we'll be back with Jonathan Frakes after a few brief commercial messages, and then we'll be back with our interview with Jonathan Frakes live. So don't go away. We'll be right back. I believe in the old things, you know. Family, friendship, fairness. That's what this country's all about. Taking it to the edge. Laying it all on the line. I watch your tale. You watch mine. I value human life. Hey, we're all on the same side. T.J. Hooker, he's with you. Sunday on Galactica 1980, Cylons destroy the fleet's food supply ship. The loss of the agro ship can be crippling to us. Their only hope for survival is to find a place on Earth and start a new colony. Please, Lord. Please send somebody to help my dad. Perhaps we can be of help. And they help each other. I think we better deal with that situation. But discover they're the targets of hostile neighbors, forcing them to use superpowers to stay on Earth. Galactica 1980. Tomorrow at 7, 6 Central and Mountain on ABC. I'm Beefsteak Charlie, and you're going to get spoiled with free shrimp. Six juicy steaks cooked up just like you like them. And sweet tender shrimp flowing endlessly. All the shrimp and the fixings you can eat with your dinner are free, absolutely free. On our salad bar, you're going to get spoiled. So this is my show, right? Nobody's here from the uh, Treks, whatever the hell they're called. Okay. What here about they the are. Writers Guild? 
What about the WGA? Tell us about that, Jonathan. Where the fuck were you guys? <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask. We, we got this little piece of paper that said the panel started at 3.30. Oh, you, they, they punked you. They punked us. They didn't really want us doing the panel, apparently. I was, you were doing just fine. You've done this before, haven't you? Well, I knew you. I, something, I knew something bad happened because we talked about it last night. I knew yeah. you were going to be here. You stole it from Patty. We, I think I know. So Patty stole so Patty, it. Patty, that's what he did. That's who did it. He sabotaged you. Yeah, he's like, yeah, go, go then. That's a saboteur. You say sabotage. I say sabotage. It was a saboteur. You know Mark. Hello, I'm Mark A. Altman. I'm, uh, we're the experts, and you can't hear me. Your phone, do your phone doesn't work. Hey. Welcome, Jonathan. So good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Um, and he just explained why we can't really talk about his extensive acting career. Uh, oh, sure we can. <laughs> but we, we actually did want to focus on your directing career, because you are a renaissance I was trying man. to explain what's going on with the strike. Do you care at all about why we're striking? You tell me your point of view on this. <laughs> well, look, obviously, it's there, a, uh, comes you tech know, support. Ashley and I are both, um, you know, Writers Guild members, so we, we were striking before That's you were. Better. Oh, I know. But it better. wasn't nearly as sexy a picket line as no. it is now, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the business is facing an existential crisis. Exactly. And with AI and with the failure to account for. Um, the you know ratings on hit shows and the traditional revenue streams for residuals are all gone. And that it's sound you hear is the in, the industry backing up. <laughs> and it, it, the industry has changed. And every time there's been a negotiation, it's like, oh, we'll deal with this next time. And Netflix and Amazon are all considered new media still under the contract. And you know Netflix is a monster. It's like yeah. it's not new media. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's also. Amazon and Apple in particular are not interested in television. It's not their primary cash cow, certainly. Am I right? It's their hobby. It's a hobby for them. Yeah. And the people who run it, I don't think understand the nuance of the, of the craftsman and artist it takes to make a show. No, I mean, you know, the business has always been, to a large extent, a relationship business. Yeah. And what you see, even, I'm sure for us, when we're going in to pitch things or meet on projects... It used to be you go to somebody's office, you talk about their kids, you've known them for years. You, you, you know, I mean, this is how you get work a lot. That's how we work for Dean. It's how we work for Dean. Dean Devlin. And you look at the posters and the things they have on their walls. Now you, you're ushered into this generic conference room. If you're lucky, you're probably on Zoom. Yeah. You're probably not even at their offices. And it's a text business. You don't know who you're dealing with. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. And uh, it's gotten to be very impersonal as opposed to you know, where it was really a relationship business, where you actually cared and, and were friends with the people that you worked with. That was the best part of it. I read an article yesterday in the Los Angeles Times that suggested that maybe the writers and the actors have now won, and it's time for the producers to admit defeat and make a deal. Yeah, I agree with that to a point, but it was a um, it was an essay. It was her her opinion. She says Mary like, McNamara, oh, right? Yep. Yeah. We have we have the polls on our side. We have all this, but it's overlooking the ego of these executives who feel that they've been rebuffed. And you can't 
say, oh, well, we have logic on our side. You know, that may work for Spock, but it doesn't work for, you know, David Zaslav, who feels like, how dare these people rebuff me and say I'm making too much money when I'm the genius, right? And so I'm worried, that, you know, that they, you know, will put their foot down and just say, you know, take their ball and go home because they're pissed off and say, we can weather the storm and just sell everything off for parts. You heard, you know, Bob Iger wants to sell ABC. They're talking about potentially selling ESPN. I mean, this is crazy. Warner Brothers is saying they uh, may want to sell CNN. I mean, it's, what is this business that we're in now? It's imploding. It's imploding. It is imploding, isn't it? It's from the top. It's rotten from the top. Thank God we have Star Trek. (laughs) and lots of it and more to come (laughs) well let's talk about that for a second it's one of the things i did the whole legacy pitch you missed that I set I've heard the ca- it from Terry. i set the cast i put i placed them in their positions on the bridge i can see the opening shot not that i want to direct so, we are so there we'll go in the order we just want to we just we can't wait for legacy this has to happen why has it not happened yet this is crazy there's a writer's strike, writer strike. <laughs> yeah but no they, they can green light it without it's not like they need a pilot script it's like no. they know what it is they have 10 but who pilots. green lights it it's that paramount, paramount plus, plus is one of the people that yeah but they're what about this concept i read this in the paper the other day as well what if one of these producers one of these big mockers decides to make a deal and leads the pack. How cool would that be? They then are the heroes of the actors and the writers and the other producers who have... Well, that could very well happen. If one of them turns and says, we're going to be outliers and we're going to make a deal with them, and like the uh, independents that we're working with who make the, uh, what's it called, the interim, interim... the inter- right, the, 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 the interim agreements with the interim agreement. where aren't part of the AMPTP or right. whatever the acronym is. The, we, that's the alphabet soup. Thank right. you, the alphabet soup. And you know, because the, the TV networks that are dying anyway, they are desperate for new product. I'm working under an interim agreement, by the way, for all of you guys who are not Star Trek fans. Who, do you remember a show called Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction? Yeah. Briefly, German t- television loves factor fiction. It's called X Factor, Umbestrasse, <laughs> the unknown. So I did six of them last year and we're doing eight more and they have an interim agreement. So when I finish here this week, I'm going to shoot the wraparounds, the, um, who's the tallest man you ever saw? Ever been to a Chinese restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> remember those? Oh, like the, memes, the memes are what kept that show alive. Not only do we remember that, had we been here on time, Oh. Had the correct information. We were going to open with a clip oh. from Beyond Belief. Is it too late? I don't know. They should have it in the Dropbox for this panel. Did you get that Dropbox for this panel? For the 3.30 panel? That's for the right. 3.30 panel. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. We have a clip from Beyond Belief. Facts or fiction? <laughs> You're I wrong. It's totally made up. I go, oh, yes. The writers made that one up. <laughs> I got to I mean, that, that thing hits. Were you shocked when that thing became a huge Unbelievable. meme? It was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it, it rebooted the show. Yeah. People it, were going crazy. Oh, it was fantastic. Didn't have Barry forever. Edelman was the writer in the show. We used to call those the Edelmans, those little sort of silly pun. They were like all like bad dad jokes, or they were absurd. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that a uh, real estate agents are sort of become celebrities? <laughs> Did you ever want to write your name in wet cement? And then they'd give me a prop for each of these right. lead-ins to the story. You ever been to a Turkish prison? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like gladiator movies? 
mean, it was no in search of, you know, Leonard's in search of. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, no, you're, you, I mean, it was crazy. Everyone was watching that clip reel of you doing that. And it was, it was. And everywhere. then there was a half speed version where I sounded drunk, which was really <laughs> good. <laughs> Little did I know you had them fooled. You were drunk. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, that is, is do, do we have it by any chance? I actually have um, a jump drive with it on if you don't have a jump the drive Dropbox. Got... We came completely prepared for the 3.30 panel. It's sure amazing. <laughs> Um, and in 15 we, minutes, we'll all be ready. Exactly. And on time. I have one more thing to plug. <laughs> At least one more thing to plug. Brent, the, you know about the Brent and Johnny show? Nothing? Oh, my God. Brent. Brent and I are doing a wish fulfillment. This is the truth. We're doing a, a reality wish fulfillment show called, allegedly, currently called Brent and Johnny's Enterprise. But... <laughs> If you write to lowercase Brent and Johnny show at gmail.com, you can send your wish to us. The premise is a little bit of, um, you know, American Pickers, where the guys drive around and hock these people about their stuff. And, you know, Bill Rose, Dirty Jobs, that vibe. And, you know, Queer Eye, the vibe in that show. It's really like Cameo. You know what Cameo is, where people call and we have to give people pep talks or birth. It's like a live action Cameo, where Brent and I take a journey to fulfill whatever your wish is. We've just, just got the deal together. We're working with this um, company that does uh, another couple of reality shows. They do uh, the twins from Harry Potter have a show, a travel show that's soon on HBO. Um, two of the Hobbits have a food and beer show. And then there's the Brent and Johnny show. The first episode, at least so far, is going to be a wedding. So Brent is going to take us on the journey that whatever he has to do to get a license to actually perform a wedding. <laughs> and I'm going to be standing in for the, uh, with the bride because her father is no longer with us. So it's, it's a wish fulfillment show, and that's the vibe of it. And that's exactly the reaction we're looking for. <laughs> so Show at gmail.com, send us your wish, and maybe we come to your town. Now that you're a captain, can't you perform the wedding? <laughs> I only do on mitzvahs. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that sounds so, like so much fun. It should be a blast. Yeah. If Brent's in a good mood. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I mean, it's also a little bit of the odd couple, as you know, yeah, with the yeah. two of us. So that'll be part of it. It'll be, you know, he's not going to like the hotel we're in. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Oscar and the Felix and Oscar of the odd couple. As you, no, no, may, you're as the you Felix. May, he's the Oscar. I mean, I'm the Felix. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, Felix was, uh, Felix Unger was uh, Tony Randall yeah, and Jack Klugman. Yeah, yeah he, Felix Unger, it's Brent. Oh, he, right, he's the fastidious I'm the one. slob. That was yeah, Linguini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got your start on Quincy, so you, you worked with Jack Klugman. Whoa, nice there transition. <laughs> <laughs> Two Quincy's, one with Neil Young's wife. Really? Name that actor. Neil Young's wife. Name that actor. Mrs. Young. Actress. That, name that actress, yeah. Um... I don't know. I don't know who Neil Young was married right. to. We're not the Quincy Spurts. Okay. We're not the Quincy Spurts. That's right. Not yet. Not yet. We so what, oh, sure what kind Neil of Young trick spurt business do you want to talk about? No, no. I want to know who uh, Neil Young was married to. Yeah, I was to. trying to remember the name. <laughs> That's why I threw it out. <laughs> you, don't out me like that. Mapping. <laughs> no. Yo, oh my God. That's what I was thinking. Somebody will Circa get Circa 1981. <laughs> yeah, 80s, I would think. Yeah. No. 
Daryl Hannah? Really? Neil Young and Daryl Hannah? How did that happen? I'd like to know. Well, what about um, Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett? Okay, right? yeah, that's weird too. Yeah. That marriage I liked. Jonathan Frakes and Jeannie Francis. Yes! That's a good yes. one. There we go. 38 years. <laughs> And she's on her 46th year on General Hospital on and off. That show, for some reason, is under the netcom. Ah. So the soap opera actors have the same contract as the newscasters on daytime. Interesting. So in our house... She can work. We're not striking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God you have her to support you, John. Thank That's... God for Jeannie Francis. <laughs> I've said it more than once. You know, I got my best acting notes from Jeannie. What'd she say? I was very nervous about going back to play Riker on Picard. I'd done it in season one, and I was, yeah, first of all, I was nervous then because I had just worked with Patrick. He was kind of at the top of his game. I just directed a couple. Marina had just opened her clothes to show in the West End. She was on fire. And I hadn't acted in like 10 years. I mean, it worked out. The show was great. And um, Michael Chabon wrote a really beautiful, smart, funny script. But then we fast forward to season three, and Terry, who you'll meet, I'm sure, this weekend, Terry Metalis. We'll try and be on time for his panel. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Isn't Patty doing his panel? No, we're right. doing it. So we're not going to ask Patty. <laughs> you don't Patty ask Patty what time, what time it is. It is. <laughs> Terry said to me during season two, he said, are you ready to uh, bring Riker back? I said, yeah, I'm happy to bring Riker back. He said, well, uh, no, I mean a lot of Riker. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I want a sort of a Butch and Sundance thing with you and Patrick. And I thought, this sounds awesome. So I got more and more nervous, right? And then it turns out I was in all 10 episodes of this show, and I thought, this is going to be, is this going to be too much? And my wife, God bless her, said, Jonathan, first of all, she said, like, shut up. <laughs> what do you do? You go to work, you tell 200 people what to do, they enjoy having a good time with you, they, you get the work done, you know what's supposed to, you have a plan, and you finish your day and you come home and you're happy and you go back the next day and you do the same thing. That's what Riker does. And it's really, it was... That's a great note. It's a great note. It's a great she note. She said, don't worry about it. Just do what you do in your regular job. And you should all be lucky enough to have Jonathan direct one of your scripts. Oh. Jonathan did two episodes of Librarians that I wrote and I'd known him for a long time, but working with him is the most extraordinary experience. Oh my God. The energy that he brings to set the joy de vivre, the, the, the you know, joie. but it, it, the joie de vivre. <laughs> joie. <laughs> the, 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 but it, so it, not only is he a great director, but, you know, people talk about, you know, toxicity in the workplace. He's the anti-toxic. He just no room. Bring, there's no room on <laughs> his sets for that. He, he, he just he get bit by a snake. A, a, just an amazing energy. I mean, we literally on Tech Scout uh, ended up going on the bumper cars because. That Jonathan, was a blast. That was a blast. That, that was the clown show. <laughs> Starring the clown show. Sean Astin was our guest and Felicia Day. Yep. How yep. about that combo played? Yeah, but I'll tell you, we went to the ground control, which was this arcade on the weekend uh, with uh, Felicia and Sean. Right. And it was a Lord of the Rings pinball machine. He was well, very excited. They made him sign it. Then we find a Star Trek The Motion pinball, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation pinball machine. So we called Jonathan and said, you got to come and, and they want you to sign it. Come play. He's like, I'm not coming down there. Are you insane? There's no way. <laughs> that wasn't, that was a different location. That wasn't where we shot. We shot it in that um, park. Yeah, we in shot that, in that park. Right. That's right. 
at the carnival. There were no pinball machines there, were there? No, no, there was an arcade uh, on the weekend. We went to this. Oh, crazy... see, that's because you're a gamer guy. I, I, Sean and Felicia are the big gamers. Blame they were them. the ones who wanted. Blame to them. You missed <laughs> like out Todd on all that Stashwick. Fun. But I was on time for that. Yeah. You gotta let this go. Let it go. Okay. So you were sabotaged. <laughs> yeah. And we're in the mid, we're in the we're we're rolling now. Yeah. So we're I want to ask you because it's so interesting. You talk about telling Jeannie how you were doing Butch and uh, Sundance, but by the time you get to No Win Scenario, which you directed, you're doing uh, Denzel and oh, Gene Hackman. You're doing Crimson, Crimson Tide, Tide, which is a dynamic you and Patrick had never had. I threw him off the fucking bridge. It was so exciting. <laughs> it was such a treat. <laughs> Get off my bridge! What a moment! And how much how much fun did you have directing that? Well, and also I didn't know I was going to get to direct it. That's the other thing that happened in season three. The producers or the Paramount Plus or somebody said we're not going to give you any slots to direct this year because we want you to concentrate on on uh, playing Riker. So I was not thrilled, but I was I was kind of thrilled about the story. And then the great Chris Byrne, who was a Canadian director who had done a bunch of wonderful things, including, I guess, 12 Monkeys, but a lot of Star Treks up there, wasn't allowed in the country because he had a Moderna and a Pfizer. Uh. And CBS, I, I kid you not, CBS wouldn't let him come into the country and work with us because he had two different... Wow. That's crazy. Did you not know that story? I didn't. I never heard That's that story. That's the kind story. of thing you learn here at the uh, Trexperts. Well, CBS are experts on... Uh, They're on experts the, on COVID, on yeah. COVID, yeah. COVID broadcast system. But, but Chris, <laughs> Chris not being allowed in the country, then they sort of look Open around the and said, ooh, Franks, what about we, we decide maybe you do want to direct? <laughs> and they ended up being heavy Riker episodes, and they were a blast. And credit to Doug Arniakowski and Terry Metalis, who stayed on the set and, and helped me when I was playing Wild Bill Riker. Because Jeannie was busy being Laura, right. so I got my uh, my good notes at home. Was that helpful to have another set of eyes? Yeah, well, it was helpful to have Terry because he knew the the whole arc of the of the season. And Doug, I've worked with. Um, again, we've been together on shows, either prepping and, and shooting in different times. He's very concise. Do you know Doug at all? No, not really. Very smart, very concise, efficient, and um, he can give you a note. You know, some directors they can give you a note and you go, oh. I used to walk, I rarely, when I rarely would give a note to Patrick, I'd walk up to him, Johnny, Johnny, I know. <laughs> Act better. <laughs> <laughs> what makes a note good? I think if it's concise and it opens, it turns the light bulb on, or it gives you an entirely new direction. Because often what's happened, I think you'll agree, actors don't, perform the scene or a line in the scene the way the writers had imagined it or envisioned it or hoped it would be. And then the writer will whisper to the director, as their way, and then if the director whispers to the actor and tries to communicate, and then I often say, or usually say, why don't you just talk to the actor? Because you show the great respect that a lot of writers don't, Seth MacFarlane, of, uh, <laughs> of, of not talking directly to the actor until the protocol is supposed to be that the writer talks to the director, the director talks to an actor. On Seth's show, it's Seth's show. And, he's, and to his credit, he knows exactly what he wants. He knows the framing he wants on a shot, he wants the, knows the reading he wants on his lines, and you can't argue with his success. You, wanna, you don't want to be disrespectful to your director. No, but to, I remember calling him when he went to, when he, went to he and um, um, the DP from 24, who they alternate. God, 
but two directors do that show all for the last two or four seasons. I said, well, how come I'm out of the rotation? He said, come on, Frakes, be honest with me. I'm a pain in the ass to work for as a director, aren't I? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'd kind of rather be your friend. He said, good, that's what pulled Yeah, but it's Seth and John Cassar now. John Cassar, that's the name. And now yeah. there are rumors that they're close to coming back for another season. On Hulu. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Which is great. That's a wonderful show. It's really fun. Yeah. And such a love letter to what you guys did all those years. And people thought it was going to be silly funny, which it sometimes is, but it really, it has a lot of Roddenberry. Well, because he sold them that. Yeah. yeah, he did. He said <laughs> it'll be like my other show. Exactly. Yeah. But it was his dream, Seth's dream, to be a captain of a starship right. since he was like nine years old. And the other thing you had to direct, too, was um, 17 Seconds, which oh. is some of the heaviest lifting you have to do as an actor in your whole Star Trek career. Career. That's, but I think it's better. It's like uh, directing First Contact. I think my acting is better if I'm tired and exhausted and thinking about other things because you're less apt to... You're less apt to be uptight Acting. or nervous or, right? You're tired or well, whatever it is. It's the same thing that uh, Nick Meyer said about Shatner. Really? He had to wear him down. Oh, really? So you wouldn't think about it so much or yeah. work so hard at it? Yeah. yeah. He said You're he's always best you... on his sixth take. No kidding. Yeah, and, and because Bill doesn't like to do more than two takes, right? right? But he said, you know, so like that famous scene where he goes, fire, and it would be like, fire, fire, fire. It was over. And then, Telegraphing and then, it, yeah. And then finally, like, he, he, he didn't want to do it. He said, let's do one more. And he's like, oh. And he goes, fire. And it was like, that was the one. That's the one yeah. Nick wanted. Did Nick write it? Yeah. And direct yeah. it? Yeah. 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 He didn't get the credit. He's a genius, right? He thinks he is. No, he, he, he is. He talking is. about Meyer, not Shatner. No, Meyer. I'm yeah. talking about Meyer. I love Bill. No, I, lo I love Nick, too. But Nick is really, really smart, but he'll never fail to let you know he's smart. Uh, but he is. He's a genius and uh, super talented. And I think the reason Star Trek exists today is because of Nick, yeah. because of Star Trek 2. Didn't we try to get him into the writer's room on one of the new Star Trek? He Treks? was on Discovery the first season. Right. Because Brian brought him in, and then he stayed oh. through the season. Yeah. Oh. And then, Such good dish on these shows. <laughs> that must have been interesting for you when you first started doing Discovery because it was a very different type of filmmaking than you had been used to in the past. Completely. So, well, that was driven by Alex Kurtzman, who runs Secret Hideout. Secret Hideout runs all the new Star Treks. Kurtzman was involved with J.J. On the, when the mm -hmm. Star Trek was rebooted, in my opinion, very successfully after the demise of Nemesis. <laughs> And we shut down for five years, yeah. something like that. J.J. then was given the franchise and the keys to the franchise, the keys to the ship, whatever the metaphor is. And that cast was spectacular. The Urban is great. Pine is great. They're all, the cast is great. But the film, they gave him a big budget. It was a $100 million, $150 million budget. Yeah. And we were encouraged to, in Star Trek Discovery and Picard and the Strange New Worlds to shoot in that cinematic, filmic fashion that J.J. shot his movies in. And I think it opened up, it gave everybody a freedom that we were never given on, certainly on Next Gen. A little bit more on Deep Space probably, a little bit more on Voyager, but, but the, the shows, if you remember, our shows were really traditional 80s master two-shot single, single, maybe a walk and talk down the hall. But, I mean, they were really traditional. Speaking of that, can you talk a little bit about when you were on Next Generation and basically taking your film school, following directors yeah. around? Because that's a fascinating thing to me, and, and what an amazing opportunity. It was, the, it was a uh, kismet. I had been, I'd been acting a long time when I got Star Trek. 
and I never had the good fortune to have a television, a regular on a television series. And then I realized that a big part of being on a show as a regular, we did 26 episodes a year, so we worked 10 months of the year. But a lot of your work as an actor is, is waiting, as I'm sure you've heard people kid about. I think Robert Mitchum is famous for saying, I act for free, they pay me to wait. But <laughs> So I don't wait well, as you probably can tell <laughs> from, from, our, from our three o'clock meeting. <laughs> Don't take it personally. Did you drop it yet? Are you done? No, I gave him the the, 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 the beyond belief. The jump drive. No, but have you released the anger about the, the about the? I'm over it. Sabotage. I'm over it. Good. Sure, but Patty's going to pay. But Patty will pay. <laughs> no, He'll have to buy us drinks. So I thought, because I would sit in the trailer for a minute and then I'd go back and and I'd sit on the set and the, the most you know the energy in the set was around the director and the DP and the, and that video village and yeah. the writer and you know. Actually, the writers weren't with us, unfortunately. Yeah, right. I'm a fan of having a writer on a set. A lot, a lot aren't. So I said to Rick Berman, who was the keeper of the flame at that time and throughout, I'd really like to direct, which I'm sure every actor in the business has said a thousand times. So Rick, I could feel, he could hear his eyes rolling. Right. God, I hope he goes away. That's the last thing we need is to have one of these actors direct a show. So that was season one. So by season three, I had spent every day on the set that I was when I was shooting, but also when I wasn't shooting, I, I shadowed all the directors. And um, then he was generous enough to invite me into the editing room where the other, the editors really wanted to be directors. Which, and so it was, you know, clearly awkward. It was not as awkward as when I went to Scott's show to do the last episode of Enterprise. That was unfortunate. But to be to be, uh, I spent like 300 the other hours. Half, the yeah. other half of production. Yeah. yeah, but the other half of production, but also these guys, Benko and, and um, Rob uh, Letterman, Letterman wanted, they wanted to be directors. And it's a very, it's a very likely logical path from editor to director. Mm -hmm. So they were gonna train up an actor who wanted their job. And that, they ended up directing, but I got the first shot. Right. <laughs> anyway, they shared anybody. with me the, um, at, at, a, at a part of the filmmaking that I didn't know much about, which especially in television was, if you only have an hour and you got a page scene to do, what is the minimum amount you could give the editor so he could actually make, cut the scene into the show? So knowing that as a director, especially a television director on a television series, is really valuable stuff. Then I was started to be included in the pre-production meetings and then the visual effects meetings and then the casting. And the, so because I was lucky enough to be on a show that was at Paramount's, and then to go to McCarthy's uh, scoring sessions. Right. At that time, we had an 80-piece orchestra. I mean, it was so exciting, and I was so into it, and I was so, Jeannie Francis again. I'm, one day at home, I was not on the call sheet. I'm at her house, laid up like this, thinking, I'm not gonna go in today. She says, that's just what they're waiting for. That's right. Get in the car. And I went to work, and sure enough, because Rick would have loved to not have to give me a shot. So by the time I finally got an episode, it had to have two things. One, that I would be light, Riker would be light in the episode before, so I would have a chance to prep. And then I had the blessing of having a Data episode, and arguably Data's next to Patrick or next to nobody. Data's the best character. Data's, a, Brent's a brilliant actor. So a Data episode really sucks, right? 
Would you say? Yeah. Wind him up and he goes. Yeah. yeah. Would have Very got. rarely sucks. Yeah. But not completely, but rarely. Yeah, rarely. But I mean, I'll say, you, they're not all home runs. Like We could go into that too. I'm sure we will. <laughs> so my first episode was a Brent episode, data episode. Whoopi was in it. It was a great story about him building his daughter, Lal. And it was, you know, it was a beautiful story. I was overprepared. I had the support of my cast and we, you know, we were, as everybody's heard, we were really trouble. I mean, we were obnoxious and loud and rude and took the piss out of each other all day, every day. And so I, of course, was kind of at the center of that behavior. So now I'm the director and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is why those guys hated working with us. Because <laughs> we never shut up. You couldn't get our cast to shut up until you said, action. And then all of a sudden, Picard's there, Data's there, you know. <laughs> Riker's there. <laughs> like this. <laughs> Walking like this. <laughs> but I'm, part of it, and that, that was a result of Patrick setting this bar of, on some television shows that shall remain nameless, um, people show up not ready to work. They haven't learned their lines. They're looking at the script for the first time at the first, you know. That wasn't working for the guy from 25 years at the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> so all of us, we were pretty professional anyway, but you never showed up at, at Next Gen not ready, not loaded for bear. So instead of uh, trying to learn your lines between takes, we screwed around between takes because we were ready to rock. And I think that's explained some of why we, our behavior was so loosey-goosey and also because the subject matter was so serious generally. But it was a blessing that I'm continually grateful for. Well, there was so much riding on your success for everyone because if you had messed it up, if you, you know, the, the door, door would have closed. closed. Oh, the door would have been closed. And then it opened never. for LeVar, then right. it yep. opened for Robbie. And yep. Gates. And Gates yep. and... and um, Roxanne, Roxanne and Tom Benko and David Livingston. Yeah, and Robbie's now, he's a showrunner on a bunch of, I mean, he's a producing director on show after show after show. And LeVar's a wonderful director. And it's, it's um, Patrick did it. Patrick didn't love it as much as the rest of us. Right, he did it twice. Yeah. He did the Western and then he did the, the penultimate episode, which was insane. The, 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 the last episode before the finale, which, is, which almost killed him because he... He had to be in prep and then shoot and then the finale. And the finale finale? Yeah, he did the episode before All Good Things, preemptive strike. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Of course you're sure, I'm sorry. That's why we're the tricks. I saw the slip. Tricks. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> and Brent, who I thought was the most likely director, who, who knew film, Inside he's a real out, yeah. film buff, always said he didn't want to. And you know why? Brent prefers naps. Mm. <laughs> I'll tell you a true story. You've heard this one. Brent Spiner, God bless him, he'll be, he's here. You get to see him yet? Yeah, he's signing away. He, um, he went to our producer, Mary Howard, the wonderful Mary Howard, who was our line producer, and he said to her, get me a number. I want to pay everyone to take a nap for an hour during the shooting day. She said, what are you talking about? She said, she said I, I want to take a nap, but I want everybody else to be able to take a nap, and I'm going to pay. So Mary somehow came up with a number, what that number would be for the grips and the electricians and the hair and the makeup, and everybody on the set was going to be paid, but the only Brent's caveat was that they had to stay and take a nap. 
Right. So two people decided they were going to go out and I'll, I'll go to the market or I'll go to the bank or the, and they, they blew the nap. Ask Brent about it when you see him this week. That's better than a coffee truck. So it, oh, it's a lot better than a coffee. <laughs> it's the opposite of a coffee truck. <laughs> so of the two people, it was you and who else? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I got to ask you, I mean, obviously with The Offspring, you were blessed with a really great script for your first... But then I got Drumhead, I got Cause and Effect. Yeah. yeah, you got some great scripts. But let's talk about... Then you get something like Subrosa, right? Oof. Now... What happens when you, okay, you're in the rotation. You don't get to pick the episodes. You're in right. the rotation. They hand you a script. Right. They say, okay, this is your episode. And you read it. Let's not just say Subrosa, but you read something that's less than, <laughs> uh, you know, brilliant. And, and you're like, okay, how do you approach that? Do you approach it any differently than an episode? Absolutely not. My, my approach, and I think most directors approach it, is I'm going to make the best episode of this show that I could possibly make in these what was then seven days, I guess we had. And that was true on Leverage, it was true on Librarians. They're not... Yeah, Burn Notice. Burn Notice, God knows some of those strips. But, we're, but it is, your responsibility is to, you can't judge, you know, it's like anything. You can't judge it and you can't second guess. And the last thing you want to do is, is admit it publicly that, what is that smell? Oh, Jesus, that's a script. That's, <laughs> that's coming right off the page. <laughs> you can't do that because, you know, I mean, it was a Gates episode. Sure. And she was great and she was beautiful and the story was, you know, it's bizarre. Now it seems bizarre. Sudden Sub Rosa seems sort of, it's entered the uh, absurd. The lexicon of absurdity. The lexicon of absurdity. Yeah, yeah. The people that well, show that. That's a meme too. Her, you know, having oh, her ghost sex. Ghost sex. Yeah. And green light. We did a lot of green light, as I recall. Yeah. The one that people really hated was the clip show. Oh, oh right. <laughs> Shades yeah. of Grey. Shades of Grey. Right. <laughs> and that was because. That was a good one. Was that for money? That was a writer's strike. Well, what happened was. That season started late right. because of the writer's strike. Oh, that was season two. Yeah, Hurley. That was Hurley's parting gift to all of you. <laughs> and Bowman directed that. And this is three days. Barefoot Robbie Bowman. Yeah, that was, uh, went on to Castle. Yep. God. How we, is it for we you? We reminisce. How, how is it for you? Okay, you mentioned Castle. So on Star Trek, you know the cast. Obviously, you're one of the stars of the show. A lot of other shows, you're, librarians, you're a producing director. You know everybody. You did the movies. You knew Noah for years. What's it like as the director of the meat of the week where you go into a show you've never worked on? Very good question. And um, you walk in there to prep and don't know anybody, don't know anything other than you've done your homework. Very, very good question. On Castle specifically, I was invited by Bob, Robbie Bowman, because he said you'd be a good um, big brother figure to Nathan and... You had done, you knew Stana from uh, from Librarian. Stana Kotick, who's the other half of the Castle team. Is she what, been the third Librarians? Yeah, she was great. I just saw those those pictures just came up on my phone this morning in New Orleans of her singing as a chanteuse. And uh, anyway, nothing but great memories. The difference is when you I find my job. For instance, when I was a, given um, uh, an episode of Discovery, I didn't know anybody in that group. I didn't know anybody. I barely met Tunde. I go during prep, I sneak into the set as much as I can sneak in. And I, I go to the back of the of Video Village and I find myself near somebody who, in this case it was um, Bob DePrado, who was the, the key grip, who was my age, who was like, you know, has been gripping in, in Toronto for 
probably 40, 45 years. So I sidle up next to him and I say, I'm Jonathan, I'm the next director. And, and I look around, I watch the set like you do, and you can tell whose set it is. Is it the leading actor? Is it number one on the call sheet? Is it the cinematographer, as it often is? Is it some other asshole actor who demands a lot of your time and energy? Is it the first AD who runs a tight ship? Somebody's, it's somebody's set. Or is it the director? It's often it's not the director's. On Discovery, it was Sonequa's set, who has, who's a, on our set, it's Patrick. It's a, Sonequa's a great leader, always prepared, um, kind, hardworking, present, friendly, spiritual, philosophical, and I thought, boy, this is gonna be a delight. Other shows you work on remain nameless. <laughs> I'll tell you later, you know which one. I suspect um, I do. You can see who's in charge, and, and it's, oh, this is gonna be, gonna take all of my charm initiative to get through <laughs> on this one. But do you, you, you know, you do, your job is to make the best version of that show. And often it's affected by the way you shoot. On Castle, Bowman says to me, Rob Bowman, the guy who directed a lot of our shows, Frakes, don't waste our time with any uh, multi-stop dolly moves. Right. We'll never use them. So don't bring anybody out of the elevator and then take them down with cool foreground. Don't get fancy. Mm -hmm. But get me the a master of the show and get me three sizes on Stana and Nathan and all the scenes they're in. Here, here, and here. So get me three sizes on them and none of this fancy bullshit where you waste everybody's time with a long dolly shot. On, on um, Falling Skies, Noah's other show, which was post-apocalyptic, handheld, produced by Spielberg, who Noah says he never met, but he was the producer of the show. You were told by uh, Greg Beeman, who was the producing director in that show, it's, they wanted to be um, handheld documentary war footage. So you're encouraged to follow people around. You don't have to catch every line until you can see what you say and then see how you reacted to it and then see where they are in the room and come back and you're still talking, that kind of stuff. So it's an entirely different motif, but when you're watching the show or when an audience member is watching the show, oh, they can beep and it's, oh, that's falling skies. That looks like falling skies. It doesn't look like Castle. But if they're looking for Castle, they want to see, there's Donna or there's Nathan, you know? That was the... And that's the, that's the gist of it, is that you want to make, and you don't want to break the mold, and you don't want to reinvent the wheel the way somebody did on Nemesis. It's, it's just, it's, a, 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 I think, probably less important now because we're encouraged, like on Strange New Worlds, we're given a job on Strange New Worlds, and Chris Fisher, who's the producing director on that show, we're into overtime now. No, six minutes. Good. No, it's going the other way. It's going the other way? Yeah. You know why? We're going the wrong way. I know, we're going upside down. Going back in time. Fisher and um, Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldman say they want each episode to be its own movie, which is really a nice freeing thing, opportunity. Well, you finally got your work on that show. You did uh, those old scientists. Oh, the man, the crossover decks. episode with Lower Decks. Yes, 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 yes. Jack Quaid, my new favorite actor. He's, he's a terrific. blast. Isn't he terrific? He's terrific. And Tawny Newsom, and unprecedented, at one point during the shooting, they started to ad lib. And I thought, ooh, this is not gonna go well. <laughs> so Kat Lynn and uh, um, 
Bill Kristoff, who wrote the episode, were there on the set. So I sort of, and they said, yeah, 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 let him go. So then they started to ad-lib, because she's from Second City, like yeah, she's Stashwick. Funny. And Quaid is really quick and funny. So then the other actors, Anson, who's really sneaky funny, by the way, Anson Mount. Sneaky funny, yeah. He really is. That's a good description. And, and Rebecca, who's also very funny. They said, oh, shit. We can ad-lib now? <laughs> this is Your, fucking great. Never be They'll never be the same. <laughs> so, specifically on that episode, if you've seen it, I had the camera on the other side of the room where Celia Gooding was meant to be so we wouldn't know how long she'd been seeing Jack. And Jack was examining Anson's or um, Pike's, is it his room, his ready room, his office, whatever it was. Right, his, so his palatial estate. His palatial estate. Wow. And I said to I said to Jack, well, you know, just go around, check the desk, and he said, what about the saddle? I said, dude, how would you not go check out the saddle? Do it. You know, the saddle's there. If you want to sit on it, go ahead. So Jack Quaid, in rehearsal, does this, and then hikes himself up on the saddle, and then take one. I said, okay, we got to the set, and we talked to the cinematographer, and. Uh, set the shot, and he gets up in that saddle and he yells, Raker! <laughs> and sits his ass down in the saddle. I thought, this is perfect! <laughs> Cut print. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. That's great. Do well, what? Go ahead. I'll go one more. Well, I was going to ask to run the clip, but let's hear what you have to say. That's what I had, I had, it reminded me of the... Uh, misnomer of uh, two takes freaks mm. you know the, yeah two you, takes freaks you've heard this right oh yeah i've seen it in action i know i work fast <laughs> but two takes freaks became a nickname because on first contact i was shooting a scene and i had a close-up of patrick and i must have been just maybe one line and he killed it i said that was great i loved it check with the operator great patrick are you good he said great i said okay, okay let's go next setup and Marty Hornstein, who was Paramount's producer, comes up to me and says, Frakes, no, whoa, 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 hold on, guys, hold on, hold on. When you're doing a studio picture, <laughs> you gotta print two takes. Just in case. Right? I saw, and I learned, I didn't know that was a, a, a thing. Did you know that was a thing? I did not know that was a thing. I didn't either. I'm not sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not for most directors. <laughs> for guys but but for first time yet. film directors, it is a thing. So that's where Two Takes Freaks comes from. You need a safety. You always need a safety, Mark. Do you? Safety first. Wouldn't yeah. you, shouldn't you change the magazine, though? They check the gate. Eh. Yeah. You know. No, you look like You gotta I'm have just... someone to blame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let, let, let's real quick. We got we got a few minutes. Let's take a quick look at that clip. I wish we could have talked more about the movies, but uh, some people were late. Um, let, let's take a look at that great clip because uh, for those of you who don't know, the genius of Beyond Belief. Some intriguing stories that will challenge our oh, perception of fact and fiction. 
We'll find out which ones are real at the end of the show. Ugly sport coat. So let's travel now to the world of beyond belief. A world as magical as Paris in the the springtime. <laughs> Who's that guy? I'm glad we didn't open with that. <laughs> Well, oh boy, this was a delight. And uh, you, you, you want to take he's a question off. for the next minute and eight seconds? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are great. Do you think you really got you got punked by somebody? <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I can I'm more pissed off I'm, about it than you. I'm sure it was just a mistake. Okay. Are you sure it was an honest mistake? These, these things happen. Does anybody have a quick question? Because I, we were terrible. We didn't ask for questions. I know that's why you're here. I'm sorry. So let's do a super quick lightning round. Perfect idea. Sold. Tell yes. Terry. Next. Next. Tell Terry. Excellent. Excellent call. Good. Next. <laughs> oh, geez. Who? Being interviewed for Cinefantastic? Cinefantastic. <laughs> Watching um, Michael Dorn and Patrick Stewart wrestle on the bridge. <laughs> it's like a Ken Russell movie. Yeah. It's WrestleMania. Which of the two takes did you use? Who, who, I, who knows? <laughs> two takes. Any plans for Picard, the movie? <laughs> Radio silence. But Stuart Beard's going to direct. No. <laughs> no. I think Patrick would like to do, I think, yeah, why not? He's been lobbying for it. There yeah. are, there's no talk of it, but you never know. I mean, who would have thought you guys were going to be back after all these years? Yeah, but who think, I don't think, I don't think we're going to get a movie. I think, I, I think um, um, JJ's group is desperately trying to get four off the ground. What about Tarantino as a director of a Star Trek movie? What did you think of that? <laughs> Look, I would have loved to have seen it. Me too. I would have loved to have seen it. The, what about Noah Hawley, who was allegedly writing yeah. a script? Yeah, but that, that that's, went that's nowhere. That's done now. That went nowhere. Now he's doing Alien for FX. Um, as a reporting I'm always interested. Do you have somebody besides your wonderful wife that kind of influenced you or inspired you? My father was one of those fathers who actually encouraged me to do what I wanted, which was incredibly helpful to me. He was a major movie buff and a jazz buff. So we had music every night at dinner. We'd listen to Billie Holiday or we'd listen to musical comedies or something like that. He made me watch John Ford movies. He was, so he was a massive influence on me as a, as a child and as a man, as a, you know, as a father. And when I was a kid, there were a couple of teachers in, um, I guess in junior high school, where I started doing plays that were really encouraging Dale Kaler was one whose name comes to mind. But my three, I had a triumvirate of professors at, at Penn State, um, Archie Smith, Manuel Duque, and Richard Edelman, who were spectacular. One was from Neighborhood Playhouse, one was from the Actors Studio, and one was from Herbert Berghoff. So there were three different approaches to acting. And um, they, they laid a groundwork. And most of what I use when I'm breaking a script down as a director now is stuff that I learned from those three guys. Well, we got to wrap up, but before we do, let's just sing a big happy birthday to oh, Jonathan yeah. Scott Franks. We didn't bring a cake. We would have if it had let's been at 3.30. Instead of happy um, birthday, let's sing this. Volare. Volare. Del plum. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Volare, 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 volare.
Yeah. So I, you know, Frakes, Frakes, Frakes was not happy with me for um, my luggage situation. <laughs> I think he was more upset that I, I, I packed luggage than that he was waiting ten minutes for us to show up for the panel. Oh yeah, he he was he was way more frustrated about that because you <laughs> should, you should know better, Mark. You should know better. Uh, way better. Know. How long have you been doing this, Altman? Yeah, right. Was, yeah. Oh my was, god, that was pretty funny. It was hilarious, yeah, and yeah. You know, and then he had to bring it, brought it up again over dinner. He did. It's like great. Oh, he's never letting you forget it. It turned into the Mark Altman roast at dinner. It's like, why are you wearing a corduroy shirt? I We're at a steakhouse. I want. I wanted to dress more formal, right? Uh, you know, I'm not going to wear a t-shirt to to a nice steakhouse, but apparently, I was not appropriately attired. Well, not the for great, Mr. The great thing about talking with Frakes is you got to be on your toes all the time because uh, he is uh, quick with he's the so wit funny. and quick with the jab, and uh, he's so much fun to uh, parry with. Well, you, you you saw during our discussion just how quick and interesting and compelling he is. And, you know, he's a multi-hyphenate. He's a director. He's an actor. He's a host. Uh, I, he would have been a great with replacement had I left the show. He would have been. It would have he, been uh, an improvement, but he, uh, oh, we were already in negotiations. He, was, he was on the speed dial, Mark. He, he was, was on the speed dial. dial. <laughs> yeah. I will say my uh, my favorite part of that interview, other than uh, walking out onto the stage and realizing that uh, that uh, John had it, you know, uh, well in hand and was already leading it, was what the thing that that uh, that Mark you you couldn't quite be aware of at the time, uh, but Darren and I originally our uh, our microphones weren't, weren't working. Okay, so we sit down, I sit, then Darren sits, and between the two of us, we crash. We, we crash the, right the, through the couch. The couch. Oh, my God. We're exclaiming, and you hear nothing because the microphones aren't working. It was I had no idea fantastic. any of this was going on. None, 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 <laughs> no idea. No, let's no say, idea. Let's just say an Ikea couch would have been a step up. Wow. Yeah. And I kind of like that configuration because... You know, I like when we're doing the Trexperts tonight at the conventions, where it's either like a desk or a sofa, where it's more like a talk show. I prefer yeah, yeah. those to like the director's chairs, which I don't like. Eat the director's and, chairs. And I really, you know, I really like to, because I'd like to do like once a month or something like Trexperts tonight. Like, I think there's, I think there's something to that idea. Tonight, it's Trexperts tonight with special guests, blah, blah. Because <laughs> one of the things I think we found doing these interviews is the the strike has been our friend in terms of the interviews, obviously it's awful for all of us, uh, the strikes right now. Um, none of us are working and, uh, and, and it's horrible for the town. But by not allowing us to talk about Star Trek, it's opened up all these other incredible opportunities to talk about things we normally wouldn't ask these guests. Right. And it's been fascinating. You saw it there with Jonathan. I think you'll see it in future weeks. Um, we have other guests where, you know, particularly when we talk to uh, Todd Stashwick and and Terry again, I think you'll find that that is really interesting uh, because we don't really talk about Star Trek, but the conversation is absolutely fascinating. And the great thing is we get to ask them stuff that no one has ever asked them or will ever ask them again. And that's yeah, probably in their whole life. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the other thing is since we know we're putting these shows up on the podcast, we try not to repeat ourselves. So when we have Terry Farrell and Armin on uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, you'll see that, you know, obviously we talk about all new things because we didn't want to repeat um, the podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know, where we, we ask new questions and different things. And I think it's, it's, 
it's it's terrific, and we have to keep it fresh. And we we have some other great guests coming up. I mean, we're we're really going to open this this season strong. We, you know, uh, we have a wonderful interview coming up with Walter Koenig uh, and some other really special treats uh, planned. And of course, before you know it, it'll be time for our holiday specials. And we can't tell you yet how long that is going to be because <laughs> no man can say. But oh uh, nor does he want to. And it, it looks like, and it looks like, you know, we we polled um, fans and 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 listeners to see what they want. And it looks like it's not a hundred percent, it's 99% that we're going to be doing um, Star Trek merchandise holiday special, which will include yeah. all the great toys and books and uh, everything. Plates. Everything. The whole commemorative plates. plates, commemorative plates. It'll all be there. So uh, we're excited about that because it's different than what we've done in the past. And uh, hopefully it will be. And who knows? It may only take 10 hours this time. That's Any, right. As opposed to 24. Possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> but uh, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Jonathan Frakes. I know we certainly did. And uh, we look forward to having him back on the show in the future. Um, and we uh, we hope that you'll let us know what you think. You can write to us at trexpertsplus at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can uh, uh, let us know on social, on Facebook, and uh, on Instagram at Inglorious Trexperts or Instagram or Threads. I don't even check the Threads account. I don't know what that is. And, so you can sort uh, of contact. Blue Sky and Post. We're on all these things, but I don't know what it means. We're, and, we're in the same uh, and places course, that you've always seen us. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Twitter, X marks the spot, whatever. It's a glorious trek. And, uh, of course, if you're a fan of the show, please rate us five stars wherever you listen. This is an all-new season of Inglorious Treks, our sixth. It's hard to believe we've Thank been goodness. doing this for six years. What started off as a lark has turned into an incredible waste of time. <laughs> and we thank you for joining us, wasting our time together. Um, and uh, But, you know, here's the thing. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. And, of course, if you want to listen to our subscriber-only podcast, Deck 78, you can unlock it on Spotify under Glorious Trexperts by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. Or if you'd prefer to listen on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe via the 4.30 movie feed. And that will be returning later this fall as well. So we hope you'll join us for that. But until next week, on behalf of Ashley, Darren, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course. Volare, oh, cantare, oh, oh, oh. Let's fly way up to the clouds Away from the maddening crowds We can sing in the glow of a star That I know of where lovers enjoy peace of mind Let us leave the confusion and all this illusion behind Just like birds of a feather A rainbow together we'll find Volare, oh, oh, e cantare, oh, 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 no wonder my happy heart sings, your love has given me wings. Penso che io sogno così non ritorne mai più. 
mi dipinge con le mani e la faccia di blu. Poi d'improvviso tenido dal veretto rapito e incominciavo a volare nel cielo infinito. Volare, oh, oh, e cantare, oh, oh, Dipinto di blu e che dici di stare lassù e volavo, volavo, venice punalte del sole con coro più su, mentre molto pian piano sparivo lontano laggiù. Una musica dolce suonare soltanto per me. No wonder my happy heart sings Your love has given me wings Nel blu dipinto de blu Venite di stare lassù Nel blu dipinto de blu Thank you.